So as uh, we join this morning, we're switching from one series to another. So I want you to kind of just realize that we are changing gears. We're moving to First Peter. And as we kind of move out of the series that is all about being in the world, but not of it, First Peter is a great segue. December 31st, 2012, the headlines read, A homeless man found dead under a Wyoming overpass last week stood to inherit $19 million. As we look at that headline, we think to ourselves, how could a homeless man be found under an underpass who is worth $19 million? Well, 1 Peter is a a book that is written to an audience that is going through some very difficult times. And uh, whether they would consider themselves uh, underneath an an overpass or not, I don't know. But the issue that Peter writes to is to a people who don't understand where they really stand. And so they're under the gun and they're being persecuted. And because of that, they have very difficult times. So as we look at 1 Peter, we're just going to take the first five verses today and uh, look at what it is that Peter was writing to these people and why they were doing that. If I asked you, where is your home? Most of you would give me an address. Um, It would be, you know, I live over there on this street or that street. Or you might say just shared in Wyoming. The question is, is that is if you knew, if you knew that you had ultimate riches, if you knew that you were a trust fund kid, whoa, and you knew that because of that you had uh, uh, all the wealth, 19 million plus, would it change the way that you lived? How would it change the way you live? Just thinking about what it would look like if you had 19 million dollars. Think about it right now. You have five seconds. Would it look different than what, how you live right now? Maybe, maybe not. What if you had that to look forward to? Philippians 3.20 says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And as Peter writes in chapter 2, that we are sojourners. I want you to hang out of the idea that we are foreigners, that we are not necessarily, we, our address here is very temporary. Have you ever lived in somewhere so, such a short amount of time that you didn't even change your address from where you were previously? You know, like, I'm just going to be here for a little bit. I'm here for the summer or whatever it is. And you just kind of move on in your mind thinking, this is not where I'm going to spend the rest of my time. Well, as we start in First Peter, recognizing that Peter is a special person. It says, that, uh, it says Peter, an apostle of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And as he goes on, he says, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. 
And as Peter writes that, you recognize he's writing to these people who are receiving this, this, this news, and they're in their, their suffering. He goes on, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So the question that comes from this is, who is Peter? And many of you would say, I, I've, I've heard about Peter all my life, and I don't need to know anything more about Peter. And that may be true for many of you. But you also realize that sometimes uh, you recognize that things are kind of in context, recognizing that you read one time and you get that little piece, and then you read later and you get another piece. And sometimes we don't always connect from one place to the other. If you read about Peter in one part of the scripture, you will see him as a, uh, and I, we talked about this before the service, Dan came up to me, Pastor Dan said, uh, boy, I appreciate Peter because he reminds me of myself, actually, and I think that would be true of many of us. I would, you picture this 18 or 21-year-old man who is always kind of just making some rash decisions, making decisions that we look at it as, as he looked back in his life, he would definitely call himself foolish and probably impulsive and a bunch of other things as well. And we have this man who just jumps into anything, and he speaks first, and then he thinks later. And then you see his book that he's writing here, and you get a completely different picture of who Peter is. What happened? Well, what did happen? If I asked you the question of why do we see such a different picture of the gospel of, and the gospels and that, that man named Peter in the gospels, and when we read 1 Peter, and as you read through First and Second Peter, you see such a different picture. And I heard it. It's his life with Jesus he grew from this immature person to a person who wrote two of one of the 66 books. Um, and we realized that Peter's input as a being a leader of the church was immeasurable. He was a great leader. Not at the beginning, but at the end. Jesus transformed him. And as we see Jesus having this foresight, we see his parents named him what? What was, Peter, what was Peter's parents' name for him? They gave him a birth certificate back then, whatever. It said what? It said Simon on it. But that's not what Jesus called him, except for a few choice places where he looked just like the younger Peter that he was. He was called what? What did Jesus call him? What's the name of this book? How did he get that name? How did he get his name? If he was called Simon at birth, how did he get the name Peter? And then we recognize that was just Jesus' name for him. Now, maybe you had a grandpa or something who had a special name for you, and it might have been like Little Chipmunk or something like that, or something crazy because were just, he was just being fun and he, he loved you. But Jesus called Peter Cephas, which is an Aramaic for the Greek word Peter. And so he named him something that he would become. And uh, you've also, also, you've oftentimes heard that, I think, uh, you know, there's a, Pastor Chai talked about this quarterback, Roger Staubach, who his dad always told him he was going to be the greatest quarterback in the NFL. Jesus told Peter who he would be by his name. You will be Peter, which has a significant a significance to it in itself. 
So as we see this book, we see Peter is this person. Who is he? Well, he's this man who came, uh, who came to Jesus as a fisherman, and he was this person who ended up writing these books and leading uh, Jesus' church in a very special way. He's an apostle, apostle of Jesus Christ. And what is an apostle? Define, me, define for me an apostle. So before you check out, think of, think of do I know the answer to this? Okay. Because I had this in small group. Well, there's he's an apostle. He's he's an apostle. I'm like eh, no, he's not an apostle. Is Mark an apostle? John Mark, World Gospel Mark. Is he an apostle? I hear lots of. This is like a pitcher with a catcher, and you don't know exactly what he's going to throw. Okay, good. I've at least got your attention. An apostle is who? One who Jesus went around with for a long time who witnessed what Jesus did. And you realize, wow, Peter was the most privileged person. He got to be with Jesus all the time. And in, in, in small group or youth group, we talk about the PJs, and I've mentioned it before, and it's PJJ. And there was kind of an inner circle that Jesus strategically built into 12 men, but then he pulled three of them aside who got to see the transfiguration of Jesus and his glory. And you realize those three were kind of some, some leaders that he would use to lead the others when he was gone. And it was strategic, but you realize that Peter was one of those three people. He was a special apostle. Not just an apostle, but a special apostle. In Second Peter, he says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Wow, Peter got to see Jesus transfigured. That is amazing. To just imagine that as a Jewish man who, who was just a young man at the time and to see him transfigured. And he was an eyewitness of all the things that Jesus did. He says, it wasn't cleverly devised stories. We saw this. We didn't just come up with this in the back room and say, hey, we're going to put all these, these stories together. I'm going to write two books. You get to write a book. Everybody gets to write a book. That's not how it worked. It was something that they saw that changed their lives not something that they wrote down or something that they devised back in the very back of the, the uh, theological room. Peter's testimony about Jesus was important. In Matthew 16, he says, But what about you? He asks, Who do you say I am? If Jesus asked you today, right now, Who do you say I am? And I'll ask you, Who do you say Jesus is right now? It's a very important question. It is the most important question you could ever be asked. I don't care if you're studying for, to be a neurosurgeon. This will be the most important question. It's because where your home is determines how important that question is. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, calls him Simon, son of Jonah. Now we know his dad's name. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, and did he? Wow. Who was the first person? Remember in Romans 1.16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for the salvation of everyone, first for the Jew, then for the what? 
than for the Gentile. Peter preached first in Acts 2, and we saw multitudes of people saved, at least 3,000, right? And then from there on, who knows? And then in Acts 10, as we went through the series of Acts, he, he had this exposure to a guy named Cornelius, who was a Jew or a Gentile? A Gentile. And Peter had the opportunity to, to introduce this Jesus to him. And so he holds the keys to the kingdom. Why? Because he preached to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And so in a, in a way, he ushered in this new kingdom that Jesus had introduced him to when he was called as a fisherman. So Peter writes to those who are being persecuted. He says, to God's elect. That's an important word. Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Wow. Jesus, God, God spoke through Peter to encourage Jesus' people who were being persecuted. And many times you, you think to yourself, why the Bible is so complicated. There's 27 books in that New Testament, and how, how do I make sense of those? And you see a lot of these, these books that are written to, the, to certain cities, uh, the Thessalonians, the city of Thessalonica, Galatians, Galatia, Corinthians, Corinthia, Corinth. So you realize that these cities were, were, they were, they had churches in them. And so Paul would write letters to these churches as if he was writing to these particular pe people there. But these people, where, were the, where was their home? They were scattered. They were the diaspora, if we think about it. They are the ones who were scattered because of the persecution. It was so bad. And so he writes to them almost as people who were on the move. That's Peter's audience. And he calls them the elect. Now, you get to vote this morning. Okay, vote and elect has something to do with it, but just a little bit. You tell me whether or not, and this means I am elect, and this means I'm not elect. So if you don't guess, if you don't vote, you're not elect. Okay, so are you elect? Take your vote. I'm looking. <laughs> Thank you. She's like, yes. <laughs> Sharing up in the balcony. Good. Sometimes it's good to ask ourselves, and Jackie, ask ourselves the question, what does it mean? You read along, and you, you're reading elect. He says, to the elect. Well, uh, is, this to, is this letter to me? Did, did Peter have something for me? Or is this to someone else? Because we have to be careful about that. Whose mail are we reading? It says, to God's elect exiles, if you are someone who follows Christ and Jesus, you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you are elect. You may have come this morning to church, or you may be at home right now, and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm elect or not. What's this elect thing? We are all through with the election. What, what has that to do anything? Being elect has to do with our relationship with God and God's calling on our lives. And as we look at the elect, and I'm not going to get too far into it, but far enough to just recognize in Matthew 22, there's a wedding feast, and there's a description of, of inviting people, and then they didn't want to come, and that's the Jews. And so they're, they're, the, the servants are called to go ahead and just invite anyone they can from the roadsides. And we see this coming in of, of the church age, of the Gentiles, and whoever would come would come, and they would come into this. And as long as they had a genuine relationship with Christ, they would sit at this feast. 
And that's you. That's the elect. As someone spoke God's word to you or you heard God's word and, and the Holy Spirit quickened your spirit inside of you and you kind of come to the conviction of the fact that you are a sinner and you couldn't save yourself and that you have been, you've been trying all your life or whatever your story is and that you realize that you just trust that God has this person named Jesus who actually died in your spot on your cross in your place. And you were committed to following that person, knowing that it is by trust every single day that we rely, rely on them. And that is that elect part where we respond to this irresistible call. It's like we, we all recognize that we, we all, if, to be an elect person, you have to recognize that you deserve prison. You deserve death. Because all of us have done what? We have all sinned, and we fall short of this God, and we recognize, wow, we fall so short of him. And it's like we're in prison, and, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus comes walking through, and he says, follow me. And we're like, man, this guy, he's saying, follow me. And he's like, I, I can set you free. And you're like, you know, and, and you're, you're with all your buddies, and of course, when you're with all your buddies, it's kind of like, maybe at, maybe at my high school, someone said, follow me. It would be really uncool to do that. There's all kinds of reasons not to follow this guy. But yet, Jesus makes the invitation to whom? All of them. Go out to the roadsides and gather everyone you can. But do they all come? No, they don't, do they? You came to church this morning. In a way, you kind of elected to be here. You chose, that's the word. You chose to be here. And so God chose us, and he made it irresistible for us. And we're here. If you were in Christ, and if you were in Christ, you have this relationship with Jesus that is very, very special. And you are the people who Peter would speak to today if he was to write a modern-day version of 1 Peter 1. So God's elect is just this call on us and just that idea that there's a, this idea that we're, we're in death row. We, we deserve death. That's kind of where we're at. And yet Jesus calls us out and he gives us grace and he forgives, he pardons our sin and we walk out of that prison of death with him. And that's who Peter is speaking to. They all know that that's where they were and they all... They all appreciate the fact that God has chosen them, has given, made the offer to them, and that they responded to his election. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All people. God wants all people to be saved. Will all people respond? Maybe not. Probably not. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call, him, call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You come in here, maybe you're a Jew. I don't, I'd love to talk to you if you're a Jew just because I'd love to hear how, uh, how that works for you. And, and Pastor Chai was sharing with me, we might even have that opportunity to do a podcast with someone who's uh, an evangelist or missionary in Israel and his back kind of on furlough or whatever. And to be able to spend some time with it would be super, super encouraging. And, and lots and lots of questions come from that. But we recognize that net, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, Norwegian, French, German, whatever it is, you come to Jesus all the same way. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you are, I'm, you know, I'm Western Lutheran, I'm Eastern Lutheran, I'm whatever the, the denomination is. We come to Jesus the same way. And that's what uh, in Romans Paul is saying. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Well, have you ever received a call and it's from a telemarketer, and now they get the numbers that don't start with like some weird number in Chicago, they start with what? 307, and you're like, man, is this a buddy of mine? Do I really want to do this? And you're thinking to yourself, do I really want to do this? And they're sending it, send, maybe they're selling windows or siding or Cuisinart or some Ginsu thing or something that you really want, like maybe a boat or something like that. But the reality is, is that they're trying to sell you something. And when God calls us, it's much, much different. And then the question is, is have you ever had an invitation to, say, a wedding? And because of whatever the situation was, you just got home from, from maybe a trip or whatever it is, you've said no to that invitation. And if you have, you recognize that there are people out there who God is calling, who he will continue to work on and to continue to, to, to draw near to him. And there's, then there are people who, are just, who have just kind of buttoned themselves off. And in this situation, as Peter writes to these people, these are people who have already committed to him, who have already received this calling, who have reprioritized their lives to make this the most important thing. I will make the wedding. I'm going to be there because it means that much to me. And so as we see this, recognizing that Jesus wanted us to have this kind of a commitment. In Matthew 10, it says this, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Does, it, does anyone come to mind when you read that passage? Scan through your biblical database. Who comes to mind when you read that passage out of Matthew? Judas? Ah, Who's the writer of the, this letter that we're talking about? Peter. Read again. Whoever acknowledges me before others, you, aren't you one of them? Isn't that the question that he answered? He's sitting by the fire, and there's, so aren't you? Your, your, your dialect gives you away. You're Galilean. I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before Father in heaven. You realize Jesus had this, uh, this uncanny ability to just to, to affect Peter. And, and at the same time, Peter, we, we, just, we look at Peter in his younger days, and we're like, man, Peter, you had this opportunity to just speak, speak in front of others that, that you're his follower. And then Peter does this, and you go, wow, how does that work? Well, Peter was that kind of a guy. Peter was the kind of guy that would, would, uh, he would walk on water. All the 11 are like, you're on your own, buddy. You get out of this boat, we're not saving your hide. And, but, but Peter was what? Willing to do what? He's willing to step out in the, on the water. And you realize, wow, Peter was a different guy. And, and, and then you recognize he was the guy that drew the sword. Remember, he lopped off the ear. And you're like, wow, he was kind of a do it first and think about it later, guy. And I'm condone, not saying that that's good. I'm just saying that Peter had a love for Jesus. He was just willing to jump in. And when, when Peter disacknowledged Jesus, he was sitting at this fire in close proximity to where Jesus, Jesus could actually hear him. And you recognize we don't hear about any of the other disciples, do we? Peter stayed close to Jesus. So you can say, wow, he, he, he kind of blew it here, but you realize that he was the closest one to Jesus. And as Jesus reinstates him, um, you at the Sea of Tiberias, you recognize that 
Jesus had a pathway for Peter. And Peter was down here, and Jesus knew he needed to disciple him to a place where he would lead the church. And that conversation in the Sea of Tiberias was one of those, not only, hey, it's okay, but I've got a job for you. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Peter himself came to understand mercy and, and a new hope. Um, it says in John 21, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And whether it's the fish or whether it's the other disciples, we don't know. But, but Jesus now appears after Peter has, has disacknowledged him, and he has business to do with Peter. And, and so Jesus uh, engages. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He gives him a purpose. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And you recognize that Jesus reinstates him. And Peter experiences this mercy that is very, very real to him. Man, I blew it. Can you imagine blowing it that big? Like, okay, you, somewhere, somewhere along the lines, you've blown it, okay? You've, uh, and you, you just think of that, man, that's the sin I just wish nobody else would know about. But he disacknowledged Jesus after following him for how long? For almost three years. And as Jesus reinstates him, Peter experiences mercy in a new way that would change his whole life. And it gave him a new hope. And so as Peter writes these next two verses, as we flip back to Peter, recognize that he has experienced this mercy that Jesus extended to him. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Wow. Before Jesus died on the cross, this, the, the cross stood for what? What did the cross stand for before Jesus died on it? We're, we're talking a, a day before that. It was persecution, and it was power, and it was death, right? And before that time, did the devil had a, just a, had a stronghold on death. Because the fear of death, and I see it all the time, and so do you, the fear of death is such, such a stronghold on someone, and the devil had complete, he had a monopoly on that. He could use the fear of death with anyone. But to the people who Peter wrote to, guess what? They had an antidote, because the fear of death only applied now to what? To their temporary home. To the place here. But as he writes to them and says, your place, your, your home, your domicile is not here. It changes everything. And so as we see this inheritance that Peter talks about that doesn't fade or spoil or go away, we read Romans 8.16, and we realize that we have this infinite inheritance. 19 million is not even the cap. An infinite inheritance. And how long will we enjoy it? 
forever as we have this relationship with Christ who is, who is our co-heir. I mean, it's so weird to even say that. I mean, just by, by his mercy and grace, we're invited into heaven, and we acknowledge that he did everything. And then when we get there, God, who is the owner of everything and, and all that is good, says, guess what? You're, you're co-heir with my son, Jesus. And you're like, I am just lucky to be here. I mean, I, I, am so, I don't deserve to be here, but that's the words that God uses as he speaks through his spirit. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you feel that? Do you sense that you are a child, that you are elect? And sometimes you're like, man, I, I just, this is my family. This is who I belong to. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Church, we're going to go through some things. You're going to go through some things in your life, and as, as a church, we're going to go through some things. Guess what? It's okay. Because he has us, and as we are co-heirs, this is not our home. This is, is kind of like one of those places where you recognize you go into the gym and it hurts for a little while, doesn't it? But at the end of the workout, what happens? Just like Peter, he grew from a man who was kind of rash and maybe a little bit impulsive to a man who would lead the church and really hold the, king, the keys to the kingdom. God changed him through that gym experience. And through our difficulties, God uses that to make us into the people he wants us to be. He's perfecting us. He's creating his, his church, and, and he's perfecting his white robes, and he's, he's using, using the circumstances around us to do that. Ephesians 1.3. We went through Ephesians earlier. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, heaven, in the heavenly realms with every, not just some, every spiritual blessing in Christ. And what does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I do have an idea. But I don't know where that ends. How, could you imagine every spiritual blessing in Christ? And he would just turn over another one. And then he would turn over another one. Like, really? You mean that I have all of these spiritual bank accounts and, you're, and I'm co-heir with you? How does that work? And I, I would have to say, I don't know that the, the details. All I know is it's going to be absolutely unimaginable. 1 Corinthians 2.9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and I certainly haven't, but this is the big one, and what no human mind has conceived, wow, the things God has prepared for those who love him. There are a lot of creative minds in the world. I see movies, and I'm like, wow, what kind of a mind would it take to create that thing? And then you realize that Peter, that, uh, that Paul writes this, that no human mind can conceive what God has prepared for us. It's too amazing. Is Callie here this morning? She's at home, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In the waiting. Wow. As I was preparing the message, I had no idea how Callie, the Holy Spirit's amazing as it is, but do you realize that we're in the waiting? We're kind of in the waiting room. And you're like... Really? Do I get to go in? Yes, you get to go in, but it's not yet. And maybe it's a little uncomfortable, uh, and you're sitting too close to the other person, and you really don't like doing that, or whatever it is that you're experiencing here. But we're in the waiting room, and as Callie's message so clearly, that being thankful while we're in the waiting room, in the waiting, 
being thankful for the things that God reveals to us and the relationships that we have and all the blessings that we have right here, right here, right now, is part of the key to making our life here the kind of life that will develop us into the people who will praise him because gratitude or the attitude of gratitude and thankfulness is so important to praising God because in heaven, one of the one of the things that we're going to do is spending a long time, a long time doing what? Just being amazed at God and praising him. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he powerful? Whoa, and we'll see him like we've never seen him before. And that's in the waiting. We are in the waiting room right now, and we have to realize that that is something that God has called us to do and be because he has a purpose for us. And in Matthew 22, it says, Go therefore to the, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found. Who's the servants? Yeah, Mark, we are. He first invites us to the wedding. He says, you got a, you got a chair right here. Now what I want you to do is go out and invite someone else. And this wedding is going to be so wonderful and so awesome that as many who who will come will come. And so we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his spokespeople to invite other people to come. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so as you walk out of here, I want you to recognize this. And if maybe you came in and you had just forgotten it, you just like, you know what, this morning I got up and I got, got all ready, got the kids in the car, and we just, we're just here. You, if you belong to Christ, you are the elect. And you don't feel like that because how could we possibly feel that way? Because it's by mercy and grace. But we belong to Christ and a very special family that is so unique. And we have so many things to look forward to, not only there, but also here as God works in us and develops us, much like he did Peter, and creates us into the people who will be his, his people, who will represent him in a glorifying way. So as we leave this place, realize that we're, we kind of have to act our part. Like, okay, I don't know, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a doctor and, and, and you don't act like a doctor, I, I don't want you to be my doctor, okay? I want, you to be, I want you to be who you're supposed to be. And if you're the elect and you're an ambassador and you leave here and you don't act the way you're supposed to act because that's who you are, guess what? Someone is not going to hear about God's grace and how he's changed your life. And as Callie said, just how he is in her creating this gratitude that would obviously be very, 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 very attractive to other people. So catching up with who we are and expressing that to a world that so, so deeply needs that is important. Let me pray for you as we close. Father, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us, toward us who believe. May God open our eyes to the wonder of our spiritual blessings this week as we worship you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.